We believe life can be a journey toward wholeness, toward reconnecting with who we are authentically meant to be. We walk this path of growth and discovery with our children, with our partners, within ourselves. These are the stories of what's possible. These are the conversations that light the way. Welcome to Soul Path Parenting. The gift is to give your kids the, the opportunity to discover what he discovered about himself, to give them the opportunity to discover that within themselves. And as I said earlier, there is a consciousness here that is here to support us and is absolutely committed to supporting us and has no need to be worshipped. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Welcome to episode 44. I'm Amy Breeze Cooper, and I'll be joined today by co-host Lauren Colonese Keck. Today, we're talking with Patricia Pierce, who is an author, a spiritual teacher, and early in her life, was a Presbyterian pastor for 17 years. And the first thing that I want to say before I dive into what you're going to hear in today's episode is how different it actually felt to be in her presence. And I am wondering and hoping that some of that comes through to you, the listener, as well, because she is magical. And as the host of a podcast that gets into a lot of really what I find interesting ideas, it's really easy to spend a lot of time in my head. And it just wasn't like that with Patricia. And I know Lauren felt the same way. So I'm excited for you to experience this conversation. And we invited Patricia back on the show because she has such a unique and powerful perspective about Jesus, about Christ consciousness, that I feel is so important to better understand and is especially top of mind at this time of year. And the last thing I'll say before we dive into the conversation is that the first line of Patricia's memoir, Beyond Jesus, is one of the quotes that I repeat most often. And here's what she says. Jesus has become an obstacle to our spiritual evolution, not because of who he was, but because of who we have made him out to be. So who is Jesus as Patricia understands him? Well, let's dive into the conversation and find out. Hello, Patricia, and welcome back to the show. We are delighted that you are here with us today. Well, Amy, it's wonderful to be here with you, and I so enjoyed our last conversation, so I'm really looking forward to picking it up and and taking it deeper. So thank you for inviting me back. I'm just, I'm so excited to have this conversation, and I want to start out just by asking you to introduce yourself and your background for listeners who may not have heard your previous interview. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, I'm a former pastor. I was ordained in the Presbyterian Church, and I'll, I'll sort of give. I mean, there are a zillion ways I could give my background, right. but uh, for the purposes of our conversation, I'll give uh, more of the background that I've had in terms of spirituality um, and religion and things, since that's our topic. So I, I grew up in Denver. Um, 
uh, in a mainstream Presbyterian church. Our family was Presbyterian. And so I had a very conventional upbringing in Christianity, um, you know, very mainline and not extreme much of anything, actually, <laughs> uh, but very solid, you know, a solid kind of a faith. And so I was, I was trained, I guess I would say, from early on, from my childhood, in the Christian belief system. And and I, you know, I I wandered away from that when I was in college, I think as a lot of people do. Um, and then after college, I went into the Peace Corps, and I, I served in South America for about two and a half years. And while I was there, I had some very formative experiences, in particular with seeing the the depth of the transformation that can happen among communities. Uh, okay, so I have to say that um, I have some ambivalence as I tell you about this experience. But I was in the presence of communities where there had been, been a strong missionary influence, you know, mm-hmm. from the States. And these were indigenous people. And looking back, I can I can really see how this was a form of cultural appropriation and, and another form of colonialism to sort of evangelize uh, people into the Christian uh, religion. Nonetheless, when I was there, I also saw how the indigenous people, these were the Quichuas up in the Andes of Ecuador, um, they were able to understand things about the teachings of Jesus that I, as a white middle-class American, wasn't able to grasp um, they were really able to see it differently. I think because of their their situation uh, in the society, being marginalized, being oppressed. So anyway, that experience in Ecuador in the Peace Corps really opened up my own horizons and and planted in me, frankly, um, the seed for mo- going into ministry at some point. And I had actually a couple of pretty profound experiences there that looking back, I would call they were mystical experiences. That's what I would say about them. So anyway, I came back to the States, really wasn't ready to jump into anything. So I taught ESL in Spanish for a while. And then I went to seminary. And I served in the Presbyterian Church as a pastor for about 17 years. And um However, about 10 years in, I guess, something like that, I started having some very, very powerful mystical experiences. These came in the wake of the death of a very dear friend. And they opened up my awareness to a dimension, uh, both of my own existence that I'd never really understood, but also opened up a very different way of seeing Jesus and seeing uh, what he was attempting to impart and seeing how that had become distorted mm-hmm. uh, by the institutional religion um, and by the people who frankly were looking at him through the lens of of a different consciousness. Um, if we think of him as embodying Christ consciousness, which I absolutely believe he did, uh, the people who were trying to make sense of him were not inhabiting that consciousness. And so they interpreted him through a different lens. So anyway, these experiences that I had then put me at odds with the tradition that I was expected to represent as a pastor. And so I finally resigned my position in uh, 2010, 10 years ago, and started writing and teaching and doing things like this, speaking. 
so that's, you know, that's the Reader's Digest version. Yeah, beautifully shared. And I just want to say at this point in the interview that I'm just fascinated to know the Jesus that you now have come to understand. And that's my intention in this conversation, because in our family, we do have uh, cultural Christian celebrations. Um, we're not religious. And I'm I'm really wanting to learn how we can think about Jesus as a wisdom teacher and share this different way of seeing Jesus that you've mentioned you had your your eyes open to. So that's my first question, and it's an extremely broad one. Who was he and and how do you see him? Well, let me start with what I was, um, I'm going to use the word indoctrinated into believing, uh, which is looking at him as the one and only son of God, like the only embodiment of divinity who ever has lived and ever will live. And this sort of human God figure who was unlike the rest of us, and it was his uniqueness, his specialness that set him apart. And, and you know, as, as someone to be worshipped, um, actually more than followed, I would say, to some degree. So that was the way I was taught to view him. When I had these experiences that I, that I referred to earlier, that... Uh, I would say they blew my mind, uh, rather literally, actually, they blew open my mental paradigm. And I came to see in this very profound uh, awakening experience, that I as a separate self do not exist. Like that's, that's an illusion in my mind. And that I am, reality is an interconnected whole. And we all are participating in that. We are all expressions of that. And this experience that I had in which I knew myself to be an aspect of this greater reality, um, and I, you know, I, I saw the world differently. Like when I came out of this very profound, like Kundalini kind of experience, I saw a world that I'd never seen before, where everything is sentient, everything is imbued with with consciousness, with, you know, you could say, if you use this language, with divinity or with godness, that it is everywhere. And, um, and I, I just had this realization that that is the kind of experience, I believe, that Jesus had at his baptism, when he, he recognized himself as like an offspring of reality and one with this loving nature that he called uh, father. But, you know, there are all kinds of words that we can use for that loving nature that we are expressing and from which we come. So I had this understanding that, that he understood something about not only who he was, but who we all are, that we are all part of this, this oneness. And that we are all, in a sense, uh, you know, we are all divinity walking in, in human form. So I came to really 
uh, understand that that was that was what he was wanting to impart uh, to people our our true essence in that regard. And to answer your question, like how do I know him now? Um, I actually. So first of all, oh, where do I even start? Um, there is a consciousness that endures. Uh, there is a consciousness that endures that at times I feel very, very palpably um, and that I feel, you know, communicates. Not in language so much, but in presence and like energetic frequencies. This might sound really woo-woo. And there was a time in my life when it would have sound, sounded totally like I, like this person's off her rocker. Um <laughs> But I, you know, I really do continue to feel a palpable presence and, and that, that that teacher, that consciousness that embodied in Jesus is, is a consciousness that we all share. And it continues to be present and accessible in us, as us, through us. So, yeah, that's, that's my best um, attempt at answering your question. Yeah, it's, I was going to ask you, and this may be so basic and yet so impossible to answer, what is Christ consciousness? And I'll just share that um, I've heard Christ consciousness talked about in many dimensions. Like you've said, it's it's a hard thing to talk about with the words that we have in the human experience. Um, but I have friends that are psychics who tap into Christ consciousness as a part of the way that they receive and connect with, you know, kind of information and, and other sort of energetic connections. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of the impossible question. And yet one that is, um, I'm curious to ask if you have a perspective on. Yeah, well, I really like, um, there's a, there's a spiritual text that I really um, love, and it's called A Course of Love. Uh, It's actually a channeled work. Um, coming from that same consciousness. And it defines Christ consciousness as the awareness of existing in relationship. Hmm. Uh, which is, you know, that was the experience that I referred to in this this awakening experience that I had, my re- the realization that I exist only in relationship and as relationship, that there is no such thing as separateness. So it's this realization, this awareness that we exist in relationship and that knowing of the fundamental relationship that we are is what a course of love calls Christ consciousness. And I really appreciate that, that definition because it is all encompassing. I mean, we are in relationship with all that is and to be aware of that is to be in Christ consciousness. And another word that is often used is unitive consciousness to be aware that we are constantly in a state of union with all that is. Yeah. I love how powerfully distilled this idea of the awareness of existing in relationship is because for me, of course, as a parent and and asking myself, what do we teach here? That actually gives me a focus of of an aspect of Jesus's teachings that I can, can share. 
with my family. And I'm just curious how you might talk about what that, that means. How would you talk about this with kids, this teaching? Well, I would probably start with, um, you know, our incarnated experience, um, help kids see that as as physical beings which is sort of symbolic of our of our spiritual being our bodies are relationship our bodies cannot exist as separate entities with every breath that we take we are taking in oxygen that has traveled the planet for eons and been breathed by every living being you know the amazon jungle the the you know the rainforests all the creatures like every breath in a sense we're being breathed by life it's not that we are breathing so much as life is breathing in us and so and every every everything that we eat is what's what's there what is there well it's the sunshine the sunshine is is in this cherry uh the soil is in this cherry the tree is in this cherry. Everything. If you think about the sunshine being in this cherry, well, what is a sunshine? You know, the sun is part of the part of the whole cosmos, so that we can distill that. I like to use the word interexistence. We can distill the fact of our interexistence into everything that is part of our experience. Everything. Like I, I have a mug here in my hand, and this this mug is the whole universe. If I stop and pay attention, you know, the clay, the fire, it's all here. It's the entire universe. So I think the our physical experience can be a portal for us into this reality of our interconnectedness, of our relatedness. Of the fact that we are Christ consciousness taking form. Yeah. Lauren, I've heard you say things that echo some of what Patricia just said. And I wonder if you would like to jump in now with a question or a comment. Well, first, I'll just say my heart smiled when I heard you say that the whole universe is in the mug. Because one of the things I've said is this this thing, whatever it is, my fingernail, the mug, it's everything, everything that exists outside of it exists inside of it. And everything that exists inside of it exists outside of it. And right now, like my whole body is tingling because I experience moments like this as touching and interacting with the mystery of life and acknowledging and feeling my in relationshipness to all that is. And so it is so incredible for me to hear you speak the way that you're speaking, to be in your presence, to have had the magical, amazing, mystical experience of reading your book, and to feel less alone. Because I think one of my experiences as a mystic and when I say when I call myself a mystic, I'm trying to use language to describe how I'm experiencing myself. I, I'm not even really too inclined to categorize things too much because I think 
there's over categorizing and putting things in boxes. And so even saying I am a mystic box check mystic feels a little mm, to me. I am participating in the mystical experience that life offers me consciously now. And my story includes a past in which I was disconnected from this awareness and I have reconnected with it consciously, even though I also know and can feel that it was always there. And so I think my biggest questions for you are around what you would say to someone like me who's aware of my own mystical experience and participating in it and seeking to be a part of the emergence of a new consciousness in the world. What do I... I read your book. It was amazing and incredible and inspiring and spoke directly to my soul and my experience. And now what? (laughs) Right. And I think, Lauren, that's a huge question that so many people are facing. Um, And before I I start moving into that, I just want to respond to what you're saying about being a mystic. And I, first of all, I want to say that I think in our culture, um, at our present time, it takes courage to even claim that, to to admit that it is sort of like a coming out of the closet because we tend, we live in a culture that is still fairly, this is shifting, but fairly focused on the rational and the empirical. And that is changing. Mm -hmm. Um, But there has been sort of a legacy of, of denying our own mystical capacities and openness. And frankly, some people who came out with these kinds of experiences were deemed to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason, you know, there's been a reason to keep that hidden. Nonetheless, those mystical experiences are moments when we are having a direct experience of, think about the word mystic, mystery. We are having a direct experience of the mystery. And as you're saying, the mystery is not categ- categorizable. Um, right. And as soon as we try to name it or categorize it, we've already... Um, collapsed it. We've already Mm -hmm. collapsed the the expansiveness of that experience. So yeah, what now? Um, As, as, as this, this new consciousness begins to emerge more and more, this unit of consciousness that is starting to take hold, Mm -hmm. um, and some of the institutions that previously have nurtured us as spiritual beings, uh, are, like they're no longer serving us because they're founded on this former consciousness. We're in this funny in-between place where there are not a lot of structures available to us to support us in our becoming. Those haven't come yet, right? And the old structures can no longer serve us in Mm -hmm. the ways that we need. So I tell you, Lauren, one thing that I often tell people is find find other people. Like it's about, it is. So if we talk about Christ consciousness as the awareness of being in relationship, I think it's important that we be in relationship as we explore these things, as we seek to really open ourselves up to allowing this Christ consciousness to be sustained in us. 
And I think that that happens more readily and more um, quickly, I guess I would say, when we are in relationship with other people who are on the path. So, you know, the, the, the structures may come down the road, but right now we are the forerunners, I guess you would say. And, and we're sort of in that amorphous state, you know, where the, the, the caterpillar has <laughs> pretty much dissolved in the chrysalis and the imaginal cells are now finding each other in order to form the new, the new being, the new consciousness, the new humanity, I would say, the new expression of humanity. So find, find the fellow imaginal cells and, and just celebrate the fact that you are relationship and you can be in relationship and invite this in. Thank you so much. I think that speaks directly to why I was so excited to talk with you today, because I am having that experience that you just described in this moment. I feel like I am connecting with you and I'm experiencing you as an organizing cell, an imaginal cell that I am in relationship with and we're both aware of it. And that resonance, that being able to feel you feeling me, the right brain, right brain, heart, heart connection, not think you thinking me, but exactly. I can feel you feeling me through a computer, which I never would have imagined. And I, it's not really happening through the computer because we're not right. really separate. But right. it's not as I experience it as a human sitting in my desk chair, looking at my laptop, I'm in awe. And I'm so grateful to be in this moment with you right now. And I will carry with me what you said, and I will continue to seek and connect with people who are participating in this reality. Yeah, thank you, Lauren, for mentioning that because it there is a way, the way I experience it is when we choose to move outside of our experience as separate selves in relationship and and move, it's almost like a quantum leap. It's like to a different level of, of relatedness where I, I'm feeling it too. I feel it in my body. I feel it especially in my back. And it's very interesting to pay attention to what information is the body providing. Because when we move into this, our bodies become a vehicle. We become a vessel. We become, so the body is participating in this very mm -hmm. much so. And, and can almost be like a, like a, both a receiver and a, and a, and a transmitter. I mean, it's, it's all yes. happening. Mm -hmm. And I feel it right now, like the three of us, we, because of our intention in this conversation, I, I'm feeling it very, very uh, noticeably in my body. We are operating at a different level of awareness and engagement. And I think it is largely due to our intention to open up to this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can feel it vibrationally in my body. And I recently did a Mind Valley quest about the throat chakra mm -hmm. and the body as a vibrational thing. Uh, the body is something that vibrates. And the speaker was talking about when you um, 
when you hit a bell and it vibrates and it makes sound, there's a term in music called deadening. If you want to stop that sound from vibrating, you deaden it. You grab the bell and stop it from vibrating. And part of my experience of being indoctrinated and categorized and limited felt like a vibrational deadening of my spirit, of my capacity for experiencing this interconnectedness. And now I'm enlivening. And when I have experiences like this, my entire body is tingling. There's vibrations buzzing through the whole thing. And it's so magical. It feels magical and so real and so alive and so different than a lot of the experiences that I can think about and remember, but I wasn't fully feeling them. Yes. And I would say that the experience of being that vibrational being is the experience of being real, I guess I would say, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that we can conjure up with our minds that take that those things that take us out of the present moment they're they're illusory they're not the real thing it's when we let those go and can be fully present to the infinite moment that we make ourselves available to to be that vibration and and i also um as you're talking about the vibration you know i think about a prayer bowl and how and the other aspect of vibration is that it allows other things to begin to vibrate as well at that frequency you know so so the way i see it is is those of us who are really committed to this to this um to this awakening we are doing a tremendous service for the planet and i i think that sometimes we may not fully appreciate that but as we allow this consciousness to become stabilized in us, we are allowing that vibration to move out into the collective and enabling and supporting this whole process, which I believe uh, is actually the only thing that's going to lead to the planetary changes that are required now, that they're going to come from a different state of consciousness uh, the egoic consciousness, the consciousness of separateness, can't bring about the the complete transformation that we now are on the cusp of. Mm-hmm. I have another question. In reading your book, I know that part of your story is ultimately leaving the religion that you were raised in. That is also part of my story. I was raised Catholic, and I have separated from Catholicism, which feels paradoxical to me because I don't believe in separation. And yet, to become the fullest expression of myself, I knew at a knowing level, not a thinking, rationalizing level, but I knew at a knowing level in my body that I needed that separation to continue to become the fullest expression of myself. And yet I have friends who are evolving and transforming and becoming and shifting their consciousness who currently are asking the question, 
do I have to leave the religion of my childhood because things are shifting and moving and changing in me and I am no longer resonating with it the way that I used to and the way that I was taught to? Or is there also the possibility of staying within it? And I'm I'm not asking this question for myself because I know what my truth was and I have acted that out and I can feel the truth of that in my body and I am at peace. And there are people in my life whom I love who are wrestling with the question I'm asking you. So I would be very interested to hear what you would have to say on that topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the main thing is that we each follow our own intuition and and guidance and i think for some people they may they may know that that is where they belong and that they need to embody that that consciousness within that institution to be the prayer bowl in that institution so i i think that it's each you know we each have our own um you know, in some ways, our own path that we need to honor. And I don't think that there is one right answer. But I do think that for myself, and it sounds like for you as well, Lauren, I knew that and especially because I was a pastor. So I wasn't just sitting in a pew. I mean, I was expected to, um, to represent, uh, you know, a doctrinal viewpoint that was no longer true for me. So I think that's different um, than if you're if you're a member, you can kind of do the the inner translation process, whatever you need to do, and to to be in that in that setting. So I think you know I think I think we each um, just need to follow our our path. But for myself, I knew that getting up every Sunday and you know delivering a sermon that needed to be based on scripture texts that I knew to be skewed, many of them, um, by that egoic consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like I couldn't, I couldn't go where my soul wanted to go because I was sort of tethered, constantly tethered to a belief system that wasn't uh, expansive enough for what I needed. And that's not true for everybody. So I think mm-hmm. everybody, I think the main thing is to really listen to what what will serve my own spiritual evolution and to be true to that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I I feel a wave of peacefulness washing over me hearing you answer that question without answering it in the limited way that we think of answers. What's the answer? The answer is inside each of us, and we can honor that. So thank you. Yeah, the, the, um, the finding, finding within, that is so key, Lauren. I'm so glad that you've brought that up a couple times now. That we are so trained to look outside of us for our fulfillment um, for like the, you know, the spiritual teacher, we give away our own power so much. And everything that we are seeking is already inside of us. Mm-hmm. And that state of wholeness that we may be seeking outside of us is already within us. So the more that we can really learn to tune in 
to that inner dimension, because that's where we encounter our true nature. That's, you know, that's where we encounter our own, you know, divinity to use that word. Um, it's not outside of us. And that's the thing, you know, coming back to the projection that happened with Jesus, that, that divine nature that's inside each of us got projected onto a solitary person. And by projecting it, we are denying it in ourselves. So I think that that's part of the, the circling back now. And that's, that's going to be part of, you know, Christianity has undergone a lot of permutations, a lot of changes, and it may be that Christianity, okay, it experienced a reformation and a counter-reformation, but it may be that it will, in fact, well, we'll see how this plays out, that it may undergo a transformation. And if it undergoes a transformation, and I say this in my book, it will become a movement that is supporting the awakening of Christ consciousness in all of us. Mm-hmm. So it will no longer it will no longer be a religion that projects that onto one individual, but claims it as our truth, all of us. So if Christianity makes that change, it could become an amazing, amazing support in this transition, this global transition that we're in the midst of. That would be amazing. And I would love that. And I don't know what is going to happen because it also could dissolve completely and something new could rise up in its place. So that is incredible to think about. I also really appreciate you using the word projection because it reminded me that one of the things we teach parents as parenting coaches, so Amy and I were trained to help people become aware of their projections and pull them back into themselves. And one of the things that parents often struggle with is they don't realize they're projecting parts of their unlived lives onto their children. Carl Jung said the greatest burden a child can bear is the unlived life of their parent or parents. And so parents project these lost, dissociated, unlived parts of themselves onto and into their children. And then they limit their children unintentionally by trying to shape them and mold them and get them to interact with the world in the way they need them to so their unlived parts can live in the child. And we teach parents how to become aware of that, how to pull those projections back into ourselves and how to live those unlived parts ourselves and model that for our children and then support our children as they explore and experiment and discover who they are and the song that the universe is singing through them. And so I just really appreciate you talking about the projecting of our divinity, nature, connection to source, whatever we want to call it, onto Jesus, which has the internal effect of separating us from it internally so that we can no longer access it directly or we don't think we can or we think we're not supposed to. And so then we interact with it indirectly through the pastor, through the community, the church, through um, whatever else, whatever other mediators we've been taught to think that we need. And that 
can be applied to religion. It can be applied to parenting. It could be applied to probably anything. So thank you for speaking to that as well. That is such a huge gift that you are giving parents to to recognize that because, yeah, their their kids are are their own beings, you know, they, and they have their own life, they have their own flourishing to to grow into. Um, so that's a beautiful gift that you're giving parents to recognize how they may be projecting onto their kids parts of themselves that they have never fulfilled. Yes, and that's what drew me to the work that I now do. I was unconsciously projecting onto my children and it was causing conflict in our relationships because that's not a relationship. (laughs) A relationship exists when two whole sovereign beings come together and that is a relationship and they connect. And so I'm so grateful that I found a program that helped me learn how to co-create that with my children instead of what I had been doing. And now I just want to share it with as many parents as possible because of the implications of realizing that and co-creating a different kind of relationship with our children because imperialism starts in the home. So true. It is so true. It is so true. It's the power of belief as well that we tell these stories. And I think there's there's sort of um, a couple of of thoughts that came to mind that I would love to to ask both of you about. And I'm going to try to organize my thoughts here for a moment. I want to go back in time. I shared this recently on a podcast episode. So Lauren, you'll have heard this, that I started this podcast a year ago. Part of my question was, how do I raise my kids with some spiritual connection because we have no religion and I had no blueprint for how to do that. And I was looking at our religions of heritage, which in my husband's family are, uh, well, Christianity and Judaism. And in my family, I wasn't raised inside of Christianity, but we had that cultural context. Neither was my husband raised inside of either one. It's all cultural context. And So I interviewed uh, some people that um, are within the faith traditions, and what I eventually discovered was that what I am meant to do is point my children back inside of themselves, If that the spiritual connection that we're all seeking actually doesn't exist in some set of beliefs that I teach them, but it actually exists in their own intuition in their own ability to be present in the moment and in their own connection with their passions, their inner voice, their what they're meant to manifest into reality in this life. And so that's sort of a long route to my question, which is, does the story of Jesus play a role at all or these sort of beliefs that we have is there is there any role for this man or the story of this man or any of the teachings that 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 plays a role in what i'm trying to accomplish of pointing my kids back inside mm. well i think that um let me just listen in for a second It's not about the man Jesus. 
the gift is to give your kids the the opportunity to discover what he discovered mm-hmm. about himself to give them the opportunity to discover that within themselves that said as i said earlier there is a consciousness here that is here to support us and is absolutely committed to supporting us and has no need to be worshipped cutting ourselves off from that source of wisdom we're not serving ourselves because there is a vast wisdom that is accessible to us and we can try to do it the american individualistic way you know and muddle our way through and get there it's pretty slow <laughs> uh, or we can open ourselves up to to that that mystery as lauren spoke before of the mystery to open ourselves up to that mystery to that wisdom um let me just say that i feel that consciousness present with us in this moment and it really wants to support us and it's not about the story of jesus story is just a a a a teaching tool that the mind uses and a remembrance tool that the mind uses it's really about the presence it's about it's about being in the presence of awe at the wonder of life <laughs> and our interconnectedness with the wonder of life and you know in a sense you know jesus said unless we become like little children like we're not going to get there so in a sense the kids already know way more than the adults do so to foster in them their own their own and you don't even have to foster it it's already there to allow space for their own curiosity for their own spiritual discovery uh for their own sense of wonder and not shut it down with these categories and these you know expectations and all of that because it's in them it's in all of us and if we step out of the way it will flourish it will flourish it, just like you know a tree flourishes you just let it be what it is and it grows into the fullness of what it is so um you know you could i suppose you could think of jesus as a as as like a brother you know a like a kindred spirit who wishes our well-being and wants to support us and most of all wants us to be what and who we are intrinsically yeah I think that's so beautiful and it reminds me of one of the things you wrote about in Beyond Jesus Patricia when you wrote about changing the iconography so that everything has a halo because I think that's what I want to offer my children and that's what that would be my offering to parents that you don't need to exclude the Jesus story and it's helpful to share it in connection with everything else in a way that's equitable and that honors what i think is the truth which is that Jesus is no more or less special than anyone or anything else and the way he lived and moved and vibrated in his life and on this earth was a deep 
expression of that reality. And that is a beautiful story. And there are many beautiful stories. And the lives that our children are living right now are equally beautiful, incredible, magical stories. And they can know and feel that too. Yeah, absolutely. I I just wholeheartedly agree with what you've said, Lauren. And I, there's so much in, in the way that Jesus lived and taught that is, it's perennial wisdom, it's timeless wisdom. The difficulty is we have to use a little bit of discernment because the way it has been interpreted is, I believe, in some instances, quite inaccurate. Um. I, I sometimes think of him. So we have this this aster uh, flower plant that up on our roof deck that every fall blooms, and before it blooms, it's covered with buds. I mean, it's covered with buds. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I'm watching. When are they going to bloom? And then eventually, one day, one of them will will bloom, will pop open. Right, this beautiful little purple flower. And I see Jesus, and and these 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 people in our history who have realized their true nature as some of those early buds that have popped. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make them better than all the other buds. It just so happens that they they popped, this consciousness popped in them. And it's in all of us. And for me, I often, you know, think about, well, what are the things in my in my own being that might be inhibiting my own popping into this consciousness? Mm, yes. And Jesus mm. certainly spoke to some of that, you know, when he talked mm-hmm. about forgiveness and loving the enemy and, you know, some of those things that can keep us in the, that state where we're not fully popping into that Christ consciousness. So we can certainly look at him as a, as a teacher and a companion. Well, and that leads me to also thinking about how I want to keep connecting with people who are also participating in this emergence in a way that feels so supportive to my experience. And I want to continue offering the olive branch. Now I'm thinking of you writing about where did the olive branch go? Um I want to continue offering olive branches to people who experience me expressing my reality as dangerous, as crazy, wrong, harmful. And so I I feel like what I'm imagining right now is connecting with people who are participating in the mystery in a way that I resonate with as an act of organization, an act of connection, and an act of resourcing myself, perhaps so that I can also keep offering olive branches to people and seeing them through the eyes of love as they look at me through the lens of fear. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because... Um, you know, from that vantage point, it is threatening. You know, what we're talking about is is threatening to to a certain paradigm, and yeah, to just to 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 be true to our own path and not not hold back 
in our own development in order to make other people comfortable because in the end we're not serving them or us mm-hmm. uh, but to move forward uh, in this exploration in this opening and to hold it all in love to hold it all in love mm-hmm. yes that is the challenge i am still evolving towards that so thank you so much for your book your wisdom your being the way you vibrate and exist. I am eternally grateful. Mm. Well, thank you. This has been really, really fabulous to have this conversation with both of you. Uh, we went to a very deep place and I'm, I'm just so appreciative. And thank you for listening If you're interested in learning more about Patricia and her journey and insights, I really cannot recommend her book, Beyond Jesus, enough. It is, she's a beautiful writer, has such beautiful and profound experiences that she shares, and she has shared a special offer with you, our listeners. You can go to her website and with the promo code SOULPATH, you can get Beyond Jesus autographed for 25% off the cover price. And in addition to that, if you'd like a personalized inscription, either to yourself or to someone else as a gift, she's happy to do that as well. You just fill it in on her order form. So we will have the link and a reminder of that promo code SOULPATH both in the show notes as well as on the episode page of our website at soulpathparenting.com. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. We so appreciate you tuning in and we wish you all the best until we talk again.